You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast, first fall camp edition of the podcast as we uh, get a chance to catch our breath with a bit of an off day on Wednesday afternoon. I'm Michael Brunts, that's Brian Christofferson over there, and we're going to run you through a little bit of the first couple days of fall camp, what we've learned, uh, what we haven't learned, and little tidbits here and there. Uh, we, we can talk about how miserable life is in the dorms as well, if you want to get into that. Um, after that, a little bit of news from today with Miles Farmer, 11-game uh, starter from last season, hitting the transfer portal. And we'll finish up with a little uh, a little ball and sesto um, from, from over in Spain, where Nebraska yeah. basketball is over there, uh, and, and evidently some gambling news as well. So, Brian Christofferson, um, Let's get right into Nebraska's fall camp. Um, I thought MJ Sherman yesterday did a lovely job of throwing some water on pretty much every question uh, about, you know, how, you know, big picture question by saying that it was day two. But what, uh, give me two, give me a really hot take that you've got from the first two days and and something that maybe uh, flew under the radar a little bit. Yeah, MJ Sherman was funny first off, just like, what do you want from me here? You know what, you know, it's it's day two. Um, but yeah, I, I get it. He was talking about just gotta get one percent better every day and sticking to that mantra. And uh, if nothing else, coaches probably are watch those things and they're like, Yes, you know, guys are, are repeating the message, they're seeing it, they're believing it, they're going with it. Let's let's uh, be happy about that. Um, something that has stuck out, hot take. Uh Cameron Lenhart sticks out because Ty Robinson uh, brought him out. He said he's a guy who really impresses him. Um, you know, when we were over there the first day, we were, I don't, let's not make it more than it is. We were there for like 15 minutes, just shooting some pictures and some amazing camera footage from me. You'd have to say, wouldn't you bronze? <laughs> I mean, I don't want to. <laughs> It was Go a ahead. John Ford like establishing shot on, on like it was like an old western. Just you got the wide expanse of the practice field, and then you slowly panned over to uh, some tight end drill work. I think we'll alert the academy to make sure yeah. that it's it's there come Oscar time. Quentin Tarantino is going to be getting interviewed on like uh, inside the actor's studio. I wish that were still a thing. I don't think it's a thing anymore, but. Something like that, and he's going to actually uh, reference uh, Nebraska sights and sounds from fall camp practice one, I think, as, as one of the reasons he – or things he took from. Um, but, yeah, Cameron Lenhart and Prince Will were doing drills while we were over there right in front of me, and uh, Prince Will just pops right into the, my kitchen. Like, he's right there, and I'm like, man, 
I know he wants to be like 250, 255. I just think he's an impressive looking prospect for that young of an age. And Cam Lenhart, I mean, I know after the spring game, he did an interview and everybody kind of remarked, he seems like he's 32. Um, the thing that those older guys that are on the D, D line always say is the freshmen seem very mature. And so, yes, they're young, but they're very coachable and uh, they've got pretty good body types already. They got to keep getting bigger. But um, when Ty Robinson spoke highly of Cam Lenhart the other day, that was like, you want to go with a hot take and turn it up to 450. It, it would be something like Len Hart's going to really, you know, shine in his first year. I don't know if that'll happen or not, but I think he's going to definitely contribute. You asked me was something there, else too. Yeah. Something else, maybe kind of under the radar that you've picked up, like maybe not hot takey, but I mean, what, what what's kind of the, the humdum stuff of, of the first two days, like, everybody's bigger, faster, stronger. Give me, give me your best cliche take from the first two days. Um, okay. This isn't exactly answering your question, but it, it, it was a kinda, bad question. So no, 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 it's all right. It's a little under the surface. I'm wondering like when the fullback story pops up this camp, cause that's going to be like a thing around here. And I, I noticed the other day, like in the first group, like Barrett Liebentritt was out there uh, with the other backs and, you know, came over from Notre Dame, um, Omos got guy, was on, one of those guys, I think, who appeared on the 10 percenter list pretty early after just arriving. He sort of strikes me as uh, someone who could be a story of this camp. I, somehow, some way, the fullback thing's going to be a story, so that'll be interesting. Um, and then Nick Henrich was a great uh, a little story the first couple days. Just the fact that he's back, I mean, he – flat out admitted Brunson after the Purdue game, when he suffered that injury, he didn't know if he'd ever play football again. And uh, I dare say Matt rule was not kissing up. He just was, he was poetic, like talking about um, like a guy, like, you know, coming back from that and just to get back on the field, that's a big deal. That's a win. And obviously Nick Henrich wants to contribute this year. Um, but he's one of those guys everybody over there has to look at and say, man, the fact that he's even got back to this point and he's in this locker room with me right now, he was a leader last year. He'll probably be a leader this year, no matter what his role is. Um, I think that that's one of those early fall camp stories you can appreciate without having to worry about how many tackles is he going to stack up and is he on the first team yet? You know, it's just a, it's just a good early story. The, the first two days were really defensive heavy in terms of interviews and, and who we got to talk to. I mean, we got Tony White, um, Terrence Knight, and a lot of defensive players. I feel like we've talked to most of the defensive line now pretty much between uh, Gunnarsson, Huttmacher, Robinson. Um, we got Ruquan Buckley the other day as well. Oh, yeah. Two days in, I mean, does it still feel really hard to kind of get your arms around this three, three, five? Like you, you mm -hmm. kind of know like the parameters of what it's going to be, but like, if I, if I like sat you down and, and we're like gun to your head, give me a two deep. Could you like, how close do you think you could get right now to what that picture looks like? Mm, I mean, I think we could, I know what you're, you're saying, I think we could get, 90% of the names that are like on the two deep probably, but it would be kind of a jumble to figure out who's exactly where 
what does that look like when, you know, like when the offense shows this, what does that do to the defensive alignment? How does that change the entire picture? That's very hard for me to grip right now. And I don't think we're going to grip it until we are in Minneapolis, to be honest with you. Um, Just exactly how Tony White's Husker scheme looks and how the personnel um, are lined up in it. Um, the back end is especially interesting to me. Uh, we'll get to the farmer stuff, Miles Farmer not being with the team anymore. Um, but regardless, I didn't know if he was going to be a first teamer anyway. I wasn't real sure of that. I don't know that he was. And, um, you know, Omar Brown's a guy that I know they like, and Tommy Hill is a guy they like. And so there's all these guys who are kind of popping into it, like Hill, Brown. John Bullock, guy we weren't even thinking about a year ago, is in this conversation now, linebacker. Um, and then there's interesting wild cards on the D-line where they're trying to build depth like Ruquan Buckley and uh, Blaze Gunnerson. You know, Blaze hasn't played a ton of snaps yet in his college career. He really hasn't on the defensive side of the ball, and yet he's one of the leaders in that room or is stepping into that role and is a guy you need to see emerge. So there's a, you could go like, to 25 different storylines on this podcast about certain guys, and they'd all be pretty interesting, or we could talk for at least three minutes about each of them, which we won't today, but it's good for us uh, as we work through August, I guess. Yeah, it's a long fall camp. we got to pace ourselves. Yeah, um, yeah the, the the point that you kind of made, I guess with the, the secondary to me is probably the most interesting group on the defense right now. We can stay on defense, I guess, but – when you kind of look overall at, at where things stand on August 2nd, I mean, going into, you know, them putting the pads on, you're, you're going to start having scrimmages and, and kind of sorting through things. And Matt Rule, you know, they, they split practices. So you've got guys getting a lot of reps. They're going to take a real hard look at everybody to make sure that there's not anybody that they're overlooking uh, that might be able to help them. But as, as things stand right now, is, which, which position group do you would you point to and be like, I feel – the best about this group and this is the group that kind of concerns me the most as, as they're kind of picking through the pile and seeing, seeing who matters. I feel the best about the secondary because I can name off more guys that I feel have done it um, at a good enough level where you're like, yeah, they need to bring it up a notch, but there's, there's a nice foundation there. Start with Hartzog, um, go over to Quinton Newsom, who I think, is one of the better defenders on this team. Um, wants to be one of the top cornerbacks in the country this year. Tommy Hill could, I mean, let's not forget, he was like a four-star guy who, uh, you know, Travis Fisher said he's an NFL guy. Like, when he brought him here, he was he was pretty sure of it. And, you know, he pumped up some other guys that maybe didn't play as much, so that still has to be proven. Um, but Tommy Hill seems to have his head screwed on right and really be buying into this staff and has, has made himself uh part of the picture. And then Isaac Gifford, I think I've said it before on your bronze. He's one of those guys. We probably talk the least about who matters the most or could matter the most. If you look at his snap count last year, he was like a top five snap count guy on defense. And I thought he sort of had that transition year sort of like Doman had before mm-hmm. he really took off. And I'm kind of eager to see if now we see, uh, you know, not necessarily exactly what Doman did his final year, but a guy who's just really like confident as a college football player because he's been there, done that sort of thing. What are you thinking? I, I don't know. I mean, if you bring the offense into it, I think wide receiver worries me a little bit. 
Um, you know, I, I think going like if, if, if you're kind of making your depth chart now and guys that you can rely on, I mean, I, I don't know that I can get past like five at, at wide receiver right now. And, you know, that that's the group when if you really dial into what Matt Rule's saying, what the offense, you know, what Marcus Satterfield's saying, it's always we need wide receivers to step up. And that's that's tough when you're dealing with young guys. I mean, some guys are are ready for it. Some guys aren't. They've got, you know, a, a, a fast group, a talented group that I think they like the potential of. But, you know, liking a guy's potential and then, you know, maybe counting on him for 15, 20 snaps a game, that's a completely different thing there. So um, that that group is probably my biggest concern. And I don't know, maybe maybe I'm just off my my gourd here, but it feels like that defensive line is a little bit – I'm more intrigued by that group than I was in, say, June or at the end of the spring. I mean, I, I, I think even with Tagaloa not being – uh, in the mix because of that car accident. I think they could probably run some guys through there. I mean, every every defensive line coach and every defensive coordinator says they want to do that, but th- that group is at least intriguing to me with some of the pieces because I feel like the guys that are more towards like the bottom end of the rotation, I feel like their floor is a little bit higher th- than maybe what I was expecting. And maybe that's just me projecting, maybe me being, you know, drinking the, the Kool-Aid way too early, but th- that group, I'm, I'm at least curious to see how that, how that plays out. And I mean, you saw the guys come through one by one. I mean, th- that's a different looking group than, than what maybe Nebraska's had at defensive line the last couple of years. I mean, it, it looks like a group that has really put in a lot of work um, in, in kind of getting leaner uh, th- this off season. Yeah. I, I wonder if they're a year away sometimes, you know, from being like that just really stout group, because as you look through it, there's so many guys who you're making a good case about it. Like you're really excited about it. I mean, it's hard not to get excited about Len Hart and uh, Prince Will. And, um, you know, you're starting to hear the good things about Raquan and Van Poppel's going to be a guy, I think, in the next year or so that is going to be a, uh, a fun player to watch develop. So they just got to keep recruiting that spot like they're doing it. Cause I, I said this on our board the other day and I really believe it. I don't know what they're going to do this year, but Prince Will and Len Hart, you, you bring guys in who get off the bus looking like that every year as recruits and they come attacking it the way they do in the spring. And you're going to have a lot more hits and misses. Now, whether that it goes all to plan this season it's very tough to play in the trenches as a first year freshman. And some of those guys are going to learn tough lessons. So I know I said the Lenhart stuff earlier, but uh, <laughs> just to back it down a little bit, I get like how challenging that is. I'll never forget when Mike Riley's staff though, like had, was it Deandre Thomas, like playing the nose, like as a first year freshman, like at, yeah, like, at like two fifty five, something like that. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, this is, that's a that's a tough job man that's that's gonna be a that's a tough ask for a guy so some of these guys are maybe a little ahead of the curve um but i i don't know if they're gonna be a a a force this year but i think uh within a year or two i really like where terrence knighton's group is trending and you can tell those guys are very close to knighton too like um we had a great picture to the story you wrote yesterday about Ruquan Buckley and it was like Knighton had like 
Buckley, like, you know, up by his pads and he was going through stuff. And I know it's just a picture of a drill in practice, but I, I've watched those guys enough at those early sessions. And you can tell that he really takes those guys under his wing and like, but like a guy like Buckley, he, he, he didn't give up on like he came here and he's like, I don't care what he was before. I'm going to work with him. And I think he can be something else. And um, he's one of those respected guys in that room now. So I think he's, he's a great example of a player that we on the outside probably weren't thinking about, or had kind of given up on in some cases in his Husker career. And this staff said, well, it's a fresh start and we're going to back up what we say. And they're, they're showing it with guys like that. Quick story on Knighton. Um, at, at fan day, um, this woman kind of comes up behind Terrence Knighton in the defensive line group, and Knighton gets up and, and hugs her. And the players are going to look at him like, who the heck is this lady? And it was his mom. And she, she, everybody kind of starts laughing, but he, like, Terrence Knighton starts kind of like pointing to different players and being like, this is this person, and this is this person. Like, like he'd been talking to his mom about him and like they were meeting <laughs> for the first time. So she was like going down the line and like hugging all of them. I mean, it, it was pretty funny, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a, it'll be an interesting group. I think you're, you're probably right. I mean, I think that's a group that you're probably a year away for a lot of those guys. And I think that's another group that starting with Minnesota probably doesn't help. Like if you're Princewell and it's like, you know, you're, you're getting your welcome to college moment out of the way really quickly when you're having to set the edge against Minnesota in, in that opener. I mean, that that's a, a pretty tough, uh, steep thing to grade on, but um, th- that, that group I, I think can, can maybe be something um, down the road. I like the way they've recruited there. I, I like what they've done in this class too, with what they've added there as well. I think Carlon Jones is going to be uh, a, a yeah. guy that, that you're going to need, need to know in the future a lot. I, I think that was a really big win for Nebraska, but, Anything else that stood out to you? I mean, it, it's been, I don't know, it hasn't been a particularly newsy first couple of days. You had the roster stuff. With Josh Fleek's coming in a little overweight. He's not there. Uh, obviously, Miles Farmer now gone. Uh, Brody Tagaloa back in California recuperating from a, a one-car car accident. And there's somebody else I'm forgetting. Uh, Jacob Hood um, out with an ankle and, and some chronic ankle issues. But from that that opening kind of look that we got and it was a brief one and it was individual period and, and only half the roster was there as I qualify all that, was there anything else that kind of stood out to you about what you saw and, and maybe kind of changed your mind, I guess, about what you were thinking coming into things? No, you're right. I mean, you hit on a lot of the news. One thing we should probably bring up because we didn't pot about it yet is, I mean, you got a new assistant coach over there. Um, oh yeah, the Bob Wankers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, that no that. I mean, but the thing about that is, is we were talking about this the other day off off camera about. Um, it feels like rule in situations like those, hopefully that don't arise specifically like that very often. But he he's got a three deep almost. I would say, of like guys who he's been watching, young coaches he believes in. And, and it's like, you're next, you know, he, he talks about that a lot, like what's next with his players. And that was a very much a scenario like that. I think with his staff where it's like, he was looking and was like, I like Josh Martin over here. Christian Ellsworth is a young coach. He likes, who's going to be in that system and that tree. Now it seems like, 
Um, and at some point I'll probably get an opportunity doing something. Um, but I watched, uh, and people make fun cause I over enunciate my T so they'll enjoy that. I have to say Josh Martin a lot now. Um, but he, uh, you know, he, he looked like he had been the guy in the spring when you were watching him coach the other day and rule said as much after the practice, he said, I went over and watched him during individuals. Like, yeah, this guy's been coaching a long time. And I think the thing you like about him is, you know, his resume is actually uh, deeper, honestly, than some of the other guys who were here in the staff that are younger, uh, that were on our, even on our 30 for 30 list and Dvorak and Garrett McGuire, um, who rule thinks the world of, but, but Josh Martin had been at, SMU and he had two guys who got drafted. Um, he coached at Arizona state a little bit. So I think when people looked at sort of his background, they thought, okay, I'm okay with this. Um, you never like something like that to happen three days before fall camp, but I didn't get the sense Bronze, that it was a major disruption to be honest. I mean, maybe it was for that day or two, like Thursday, Friday or whatever, but I haven't sensed it, uh, when we've been over there the last couple of days. No, I mean, I think the timing of it, it, it kind of forced the Band-Aid to get ripped off pretty quickly. I mean, on, on Friday evening, you get the news that he's resigned, you get the immediate replacement. And then, you know, two days later, you're, you know, on to the on to fan day and, and the start of practice. I mean, and, and I think part of that, too, is just, you know, you you had somebody waiting in the wings and and you can kind of look at other positions where, the, the analyst that's kind of helping out with that group um, or assigned to that group, you could see where a couple of years down the road, if you had to, you know, somebody moves on for another opportunity, you've got somebody ready to go there. So, yeah, I mean, and, and, and you know, you mentioned just kind of the experience that, that Martin has. I mean, I, that, that stands out. Um, he's another guy on the staff now that has offensive line coaching experience. I think, I mean, it feels like at this point, like everybody but Garrett McGuire has pretty much coached offensive line mm-hmm. at some point during their careers, um, which that that always seems notable to me. Maybe it's maybe it's a big nothing burger. But, um, yeah, I, I you know, I thought just kind of watching him work a little bit in that first, um, you know, opening session that we saw uh, there was energy. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't really look like they were missing a beat there. So. I mean, maybe that's that's a benefit, I guess, of maybe the timing of that, where you don't have the luxury of of kind of lingering on things. You got, you know, mm-hmm. you got to just kind of keep yeah. the bus moving. Yeah. And one thing to watch for in the future is there's going to be guys who are like analysts right now um, who you might hear good things about. And maybe you'll see that guy pop over to like, I'm just pulling a school out of my hat, like Northern Iowa or someplace for a couple of years. And that doesn't mean uh, rules not high on them. They might very well be back in the rule tree at some point. Um, but I bring that up because Rob Dvorak, I was talking with rule about him the other day and uh, you know, he was really impressed with him right away, even as a, a player when he suffered an injury and effect infection and um, had to stop playing and uh, rule told him coach and he knew he immediately had it. And he even brought him to Baylor as a quality control guy. But then he said, go coach at Lehigh. Go be a position coach there and uh, grow for a couple years. And then he brought him back with him to Carolina. And then, you know, talking with Rule about that the other day, there was no doubt like he was his guy. To, we didn't know in December necessarily who was going to coach linebackers. He knew. And um, so it's because he thinks he's a future head coach in the making. So 
Um, he's he's got a list of those guys that I think he really believes in, and he's not going to really worry about if everybody on the outside thinks his resume is good enough or not because he's seen the day to day data that he believes in. All right, um, that, that was a breezy run through the first two days of fall camp. Um, let's take a very quick break. We'll come back and hit on Miles Farmer. We'll talk a little hoops, and uh, I, I want to get some wild predictions from you about. Conference realignment before we go. So we'll take a quick break. Be right back. Introducing the Two Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. Um, so kind of one of the newsier items to come out of the the start of fall camp, Miles Farmer had been suspended towards the end of summer. He en- entered the transfer portal uh, on Wednesday morning. Brian, what what does that put that in context, I guess? You said earlier you're you're comfortable with the secondary um, and kind of how that picture looks. What does that that kind of change on the roster do for you in terms of you know, maybe what the options are and, and maybe what Nebraska's got to do there. Yeah, you don't want to be the person who's like, oh, big deal. Because, um, it. I mean, he's a guy who played uh, second most snaps on the defense last year uh, behind only Quinton Newsom. Started 11 games, um, has 16 starts in his career. He he had he had the incident where he got suspended a game last year, but kind of sandwiched around that he actually was playing some of his best football as a Husker. Um, you could tell in the spring, and I don't think this is hindsight. It kind of stuck out to me when it was said that he was one of those guys who was maybe um, there was a little bit of a struggle, like if if it was connecting completely, because Rule talked about. He's like, I like Miles. I like he has an edge to him and stuff like that. But um, you got the sense he was one of those guys where it was taking a little bit of time maybe to adapt to the culture. And you you got another sense of that the other day when Rule talked about, again, how he, he loved Miles. But he also said, this is hard. You know, like when guys are used to a certain way of doing things and then suddenly it's completely different and um, they're having to adjust. And um, that's going to be difficult for some guys. And I, I sort of think that's what uh, happened here. Beyond that, um, was he going to be an anchor on the back end? I saw someone write that today, and I'm I'm not sure about that. He was on the second team in the spring game. Um, they had Corey Collier and Omar Brown out there with the first team. So it was one of those things we kind of documented in the notes. Do you make a thing of it? Do you not? But you wondered. We had him on our most indispensable Huskers list, I think, at 22 or something. But I'll be honest, Bruns, I didn't know, like, where he sat with the staff as far as the depth chart. I still don't honestly um, where he did, 
Um, but I do think he would have had to work hard to have like a starting role. I don't think that was a given by any means. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I think, I think maybe too. I mean, I, I, I don't get the sense the, with the staff. My sense says is that there's, there's a degree of patience that they'll have with things. I also don't know that this is necessarily a staff that's going to let things linger. I mean, I, I think, you know, and actually Terrence Knight said this, I thought pretty well, um, mm -hmm. not in the context of Miles Farmer, but his own, his own experience with Matt Rule's staff was that there was a point in his career where, you know, there's a coaching change, new culture, Matt Rule comes in at Temple and Terrence Knighton kind of figured out that, you know, the, the culture is not going to change. Right. And what they, what the rules are and what they expect and how they do things, that's never going to change. And it's kind of up to the player to adapt or, you know, you move on or, or you don't play or, or, you know, whatever the consequences are of that. So, you know, I, it, it I agree with you. It didn't seem like, you know, from what we were understanding that things were connecting as well uh, in, in the spring or as quickly maybe as some of the teammates. And that, that secondary group is interesting because I, I you know, you, you have the addition of a third safety back there. You've got, you know, the, the Rover position. Um, you know, where does Isaac Gifford fit into all of that? You've got Eric Fields playing the Rover, trying, yeah. trying him out there. I mean, again, and, and I don't know that we need, we can highlight this enough. I mean, I, I think this staff based on what Matt Rule said in Indianapolis, the way that they're running practices now, they're giving guys every opportunity this first week or so of fall camp to show that they can potentially help this team in 2023. And, you know, I, I think that secondary is the place where they're going to try guys at different spots. They're going to see, um, you know, if, if maybe somebody pops somewhere that maybe they weren't expecting, but, um, you know, I, I, I got the sense that that group more than about any um, there, there's a lot of moving pieces about where things are ultimately going to fit. So I, I think because of that, you probably have a little bit more of a soft landing from losing a guy that was what your second leading tackler last year and showed flashes of, of being kind of a, a valuable big 10 safety. Experience matters a lot at the safety spot. Um, cause it's, you know, it's that last line of defense where if you don't have a guy who really knows his stuff, um, that the you know the other band is playing their fight song and you do worry a little bit because of Buford is your you know and that's a kind of a slow uh, process still there they don't want to rush him back too quickly so we don't know exactly what the timetable is there so that's basically your two starters at safety from last year are gone um so so it is a it is a change up so I don't want to diminish it and yet at the same time when he was going through the list of news items on the first day, honest to goodness, the Brody Tagaloa thing caught me just as much because we had heard like he was a guy I really liked. And like, I think they like AJ Rollins too, but I'm, I'm only bringing him up because I think the media, because um, AJ is a local guy, we were really pumped about that storyline and we wrote about him a lot and you got kind of got the sense Tagaloa even amongst those two might even be a, a little ahead right now this year where he could give you like 12, 15 snaps. And so that's too bad that he's not going to be around and that that'll challenge the depth on the D line. But that stuck out to me as much. And I'll tell you what the fleeks thing stuck out to me too, because I think, 
guys on the roster already know what's up on a lot of that stuff. Like they might've known with miles, like, I don't know how that's going to go, you know, but when fleeks, who's a guy who knows his staff so well and played for rule at Baylor shows up and didn't, didn't measure in right as far as his weight. And they hey, no judgment back. there. No judgment no. there. Yeah. I would, I would fail that too, but <laughs> I mean, he might pop right back and they've shown too, that they will guys, they'll send a message to him and he'll do this and he'll even be public about it. But it's like, it doesn't mean we're done with you. Like Tommy Hill, remember in the spring, wasn't there the first practice. And I think a lot of people, when they heard that was like, well, that's sort of the end of the Tommy Hill story at Nebraska. Cause they were thinking about last year and that, you know, this, and that's connecting dots. And it wasn't Tommy Hill was back a couple days later and now look at him. So a guy can pop back and and they give them chances and show grace in that way. The staff does, but that had to catch the attention of the roster when uh, uh, one of the guys who is very close with the staff got sent home. You know that 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 probably sent as many ripples as anything. Yeah, it definitely probably it it gets your attention and and a guy that I mean he was he's a high school teammate of Garrett McGuire's. I mean that's yeah how long he's been, how long he's known the staff. So, um, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, I, I, I think that's one position group where you could kind of speaking of the, the of the secondary where you could maybe absorb a, a loss like that at this point, if it were, if it were a couple other spots on the roster, I think that would be a, a big concern there. All right. Should we talk a little basketball, a little, yeah, basketball, we can... a little gambling? So, Nebraska basketball is on its uh, trip to Spain. They are 2-0 and on their um, tour around Spain. Very short-handed group. How many guys do they have? Nine? Nine total available guys? Yeah, it's something like that. Tallest guy six 6'7". And they so, won, they, they've won two. Out of, yeah. They're 2-0. They're feeling good. They're, they're rolling through Spain. And then on Wednesday morning, you had the news break um, in Iowa that – uh, transfer point guard Aaron Eulis, um was charged in connection with the ongoing investigation of gambling on college athletics that's going on around Iowa and Iowa State um, from his time with the Hawkeyes. Uh, just a, qu- a quick run through. He was uh, reported to have bet on approximately 1,850 sporting events, uh, more than $34,000. Um, 740 of the bets were before he turned 21 and he used his brother's information to place those bets. They even had where he was making the bets from, um, which is a little scary, I guess, but, um, you were on the zoom call with Fred today. What, where do things stand, I guess, as they, uh, prepare for their three games over there, right? They're, they're almost done. Yeah, they are. Um, he's still on the team. He's going to practice with them when they come back. Uh, and compliance is looking into it. They knew in May that he had an eligibility issue that they had to look at. Um, they did not know um, until this report came out Wednesday morning, Wednesday night in Spain um, about the legal issue. And I think some of the specifics that are involved in it. And so um it's a tough deal because that report came out like an hour or so before they took the floor, I think to play Valencia. And so uh, after the game, Hoiberg addressed the team about it, you know, because you don't want Ulysses out there with them. 
and you don't want guys, you know, finding out on, on their phones when they get on the bus. So, um, naturally that you would talk about it. They're standing by Aaron and it, I get that too. It's like a human thing. It's, you know, it seems like mistakes were made here, but you, you, you stand by a guy and hope, um, you can help him through the process. Now, whether that means he'll be available as a Husker or not is seems very much in the air right now, I guess from the report, it's it. the one thing that might be uh, a problem. Um, one of the things is that he bet sup- allegedly placed a bet, according to the complaint, on one Iowa sporting event. It was a football game from what it shows in the complaint. They specified it as a football game, which I think some people care about, you know, because it was, you know, not his team, but obviously connected to the school. And as has been reported in every story, that's out there on this, you know, in the bylaws, there's a, that can end your athletic career basically in the NCAA sometimes if you're betting on your um, school. And so we'll see what happens with that. Um, there's, there, there's a, a lot of layers to it still to play out, but that that's the early like report on what we know right now. What What's, I mean, you've talked to Fred twice since he's been in Spain. What's the, How's this trip going? I mean, it, there's so many missing pieces. You've got guys who are like six five playing center over there. I mean, like, wh- what are you? What are they getting out of this? Do you think? Um, I think the biggest thing you're getting is the guys who are there. It's like um, a connection that off the court that maybe can translate on, where it's like put your phones down. You know, let's let's like live this experience together. Uh, they went to one of the best aquariums in the world today, he told us, um, before the game. So they're, they are doing some fun stuff in the midst of sort of this strange storyline that's happening. Um, I think they've discovered uh, that uh, Cale Jacobson is an interesting walk-on uh, from Ashland. I, I think Hoiberg knew that beforehand, but it's starting to be confirmed through games that he could be a guy to at least consider for the rotation. Uh, uh, somewhere along the line he he was playing all the way from the one through the five um as far as his positions uh, in the first game and uh he's done well and he's been pretty clutch although i heard the one free throw that he tied the game in overtime the other day banked in and hoiberg kind of had a laugh about that um i don't think that was called um but anyway He's been good. Eli Rice had 20 points, 11 rebounds today. People are going to like seeing that. I think he's a freshman they're really excited about. And uh, mm-hmm. Bryce Williams, you know, the first game had 26, I think, had 16 today and can score from all angles. The question going forward is what's the situation with Ulyss? How's that going to pan out? And who then are your point guards? Um, who do you turn to? Jamarcus Lawrence is an option. You know, there's other guys who can bring the ball up. Cale Jacobson can. Bryce Williams could do it. But um, Ulyss was brought here with the intent that he was going to be the starting point guard. I think most people thought. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see how that that kind of shakes out. Because um, I, I mean, Lawrence would be serviceable there, right? I mean, he he did a little bit of it last year. He did, um, but yet I think uh, I I loved how he played when he wasn't the point guard and you know he, he was, had free range as sort of the shooting guard and, and could be versatile that way so that it, it might put him in a little bind but maybe they'll have some answers for it we'll see there's still a long way to go for the season and that's the good part they still have one scholarship space open even counting you list so you could make some late addition 
I su- suppose, but it would be pretty late in the game now, we got to say. Yeah. Well, you got, what, two weeks till school starts? Go get yourself a point guard out of the portal late. What yeah, can go not, wrong? Not, e- not easy. Uh, but he did say, like, they're, they're still – they're still scanning the mountains, so you never yeah. know what's out there. They find somebody over in Europe. Ricky the, Rubio. Ricky the, Rubio's the, cousin is just hanging out. At the world's best aquarium. That's where we found our point guard. Um, okay, finally, we, we've got more as the world turns in terms of conference realignment talk. Florida State today saying that, I guess some of their regents or whatever they're called down there, saying that it's not a matter of, of if, but when and how. Um, Apparently, the CW money is not good enough for the Pac-12, and now Arizona is looking around. We've got rumors of Oregon and Washington flirting with the the Big Ten. We've got random presidents of the Big Ten meeting. What? Uh, how high on your uh, your radar is the conference realignment stuff? And uh, do you follow it? I I no. I, I, fo- I follow it. I'm intrigued by the rumors. I'm glad you framed the question that way, because as you were asking it, I was like, I'm going to completely have to talk out of my butt on this because my answer is no, I don't don't care. I do care, but it's like, find me the answer. And then when you have the answer, I'll be, I'll read up all on it. But right now I'm sort of like this, this comes out over here. This comes out over there. Um, You can tell Arizona's unhappy. And so, you know, that, that, it's just not going to survive that conference. I, I feel a little bit bad for the, maybe he did has done a poor job, but the PAC 12 commissioner, I also think he's got one of those like positions where you're just like sort of destined to fail. Maybe yeah. um, even if like you were pretty solid at what you did, I think things are kind of lined up against him. But um, I mean, if you go back several months, there was sort of this narrative of who was going to sort of come out in the wrestling match on top between like the big 12 and pac 12. And that has clearly been decided. Um, So that's what we know. And it's just such a far cry. I remember when I was a kid in Omaha, you'd wake up and you look at the, my case is the Omaha world Herald would have the little conference standings and that you were so used to like who was where for so long. Like you could set your watch to it. If you're a little sports nerd kid, like I was. And now if you quiz me on some teams and some conferences, it would be pretty ugly. It would be like most of the quizzes I took in college. Do you have like, so the big 10, it, it would suggest like they're the public quotes are that the big 10 doesn't, they're, they're going to basically let things play out because they don't want to be the, the final nail in the coffin for anybody, um, which is, is very genteel of them. I mean, very, very, very kind um, for, you know, not wanting to step on the Pac-12's neck. We don't want to stab him here. Here's the knife. Yeah. Somebody else do it. Um, Would you rather see the big 10 go West or East? Would would you rather them raid the the PAC 12 or the ACC at this point? Um, PAC 12, I guess. I think there's more history there. You kind of feel like if you're, if you're hanging on to any sense of like old school vibes, the big 10 PAC 10, of course, in the old days always had like sort of that, marriage with the Rose Bowl and so it makes some sense to me um I those or Oregon's a attractive school it's always going to be because of the Nike money um but it I don't I don't know I I think I'd, I'd go you already got USC UCLA UCLA lined up so I I think you just uh, would continue in that trend don't you but maybe not 
Yeah. No, I think selfishly, it's always what, what road trips do I have to cover and, and how okay. easy is it to get to places um, is, is kind of where I fall on it. I, I'm with you. I prefer West. Um, but I don't know. Cal and Stanford don't do much for me, I have to say. Like if, if you just took everybody and, you know, really picked at the bone and left Oregon State and Washington State for the Mountain West, I, it just uh, Cal and Stanford don't do a ton. Yeah, they but, don't. You're right. You're right on that. And the school we've talked about this on our road trip to Indianapolis because we had a long time to talk. Um, well, there was an awkward like nine hours of silence where you just wouldn't talk to me. But then in the one hour we did converse, um, Oregon State, we feel kind of bad for uh, not because of uh, the Riley connection, but Jonathan Smith, you got a good young coach, Trent Bray's over there doing well as a D coordinator and all that stuff. And uh yeah, they could be in trouble. Like as far as like their their big boy conference days are very much in jeopardy. Yeah, no, but it, I mean we'll we'll probably have ample things to discuss on that front. Um, you know, by even Friday with the way this thing seems to be unfolding. But yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I I enjoy it, I, and I have to say that I enjoy it because I don't have to really cover it. Like yeah, it's if always you were fun. In it day after day chasing rumors. Like count me out when uh, Nebraska was about to go to the big 10 or there was rumors of it. I was, when I was at the newspaper, I was next to Steve Sipple and Dan BB came by us. He would uh, validate this story. Sipple would. And uh, he said, be careful. He told us, be careful. <laughs> and we're like, what are we going to get like an arrow in our back or something? And uh, I don't know what it meant, but we we're still here, Dan BB. So <laughs> take that. He's all he's all hat and no cattle with the threats. Yeah. All right. Well, be careful out there with the uh, the conference realignment talk. Uh, we're back at it tomorrow with more practice availability. Um, offense tomorrow, I think. I think we get a little Marcus Satterfield chatter. Um, a little tight end Matt, talk. A little tight end talk. A little uh, Matt Rule on Saturday uh, to wrap up your first week of fall camp. Uh, we'll have all of that and more on the website, Husker247.com. We have a fall camp flash sale, uh, 75% off an annual subscription to Husker 24-7. That's good for the next 30 hours or so. So hop on that deal. That the, the deal does not get any better as the year goes along. So get that there. Uh, the rest of your fall camp coverage at Husker 24-7. I'm Michael Bruns. That's Brian Christofferson. And we will be back later this week with another podcast. Thanks for listening. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.